Hi, and welcome to this week's Grangemouth High No Wrong Path podcast, where we're joined by Andrew McFarlane. He works for WSP as a principal engineer with a primary focus being active travel. Listen on to find out more about this role and his previous roles in different jobs. Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Grangemouth High's No Wrong Path podcast with your hosts myself, Scott Coburn and Greg Miller. We are joined by Andrew McFarlane who works for WSP as Principal Engineer with his main focus being active travel. Hi Andrew, thanks for giving up your time, I hope you're well, how are you doing tonight? How's it going? I'm good, thanks. Hi Greg, nice to be on here. Now we've worked together before, Um, I think it was your previous job with Sustrans, we'll hear more about that later on. Um, and you came in and helped with some careers and partnership work previously. So it's great that you've came back on board and what we would, we would call in the school as a kind of sustained partner. And that's fantastic. But we want to hear about, in this podcast, we want to link with partners to hear about their own career, hear about their career journey. And it's more to focus on things like the skills that you use within your job and all the different jobs you've had. And to hear about this no wrong path that we go with. We're trying to bring that to light because so many times people get in their mind I'm at school, I'm going to go to college and then I'm going to be whatever, fill in the blank. But actually, in reality, the people that we've spoke to so far, it's they go to school, they get a job or they go to different college courses or university, they get a different job. And then where they end up now is absolutely this no wrong path personified. So that being said, can you start off by telling us, like, tell me more about this principal engineer active travel with WSP means nothing to me. So hopefully you can bring that to life. Sure, no problem. So in a nutshell, what active travel is, is looking at bringing in all kind of means of transport for walkers, cyclists, people who um, are in wheelchairs or who, who wheel, who are hand cyclists and that sort of stuff. So basically getting people out of sitting in a car, sitting in a bus and getting them more into sustainable transport and getting them active. That's essentially what, what I do. And it's a growing sector. You know, there's a lot of government funding for that now especially based on the COVID situation over the last year. There's been a big focus on a lot more people cycling and walking, taking up running, etc. Um, so we are really building on that. And across Scotland and across the UK, there's a huge focus on, on improving that sector and that market. And the goal, the goal is to try and be the same as, say, the Scandinavian countries are within 20 years' time, you know. Um, whether that happens or not, who knows? But that's, that's the kind of goal. So the, the job that I'm doing... Now, I've only been in for five weeks, so it's been a bit of a challenge having to start it virtually um, and not actually physically meeting anybody that I'm working alongside. Saying that, it's, it does have its benefits. Um, you know, I, I like going out for a cycle in the mornings and I can do that when I'm working from home, but it has it does take a bit of getting used to. And that's good because I, I'd actually noted down there that you'd mentioned about COVID and the pandemic and... I, I know myself that you've only started the job recently. So it's only been five weeks. So we've been in essentially the, the midst of a pandemic for about a year. And you've managed to change jobs within that, which we're hearing, Greg, that that's quite a unique thing and, and, and very like that's not everybody's choosing to do that just now. So what was the what was the choice for you to do that? What led you to do that? The choice for me was the, the role and the opportunity that that presented itself in that new job. You know, it's, it's very much uh, developing and building the team. Um, and and I'm, that is my role to, to build and develop that team for that sector. You know, the, the company I now work for doesn't have a, specializ, a specialism in that sector at the moment. So it's, it's building on that and developing that and taking that forward. And it was that opportunity that, that really kind of grabbed me. 
to be honest, I enjoyed um, the work I was doing previously for the company I was with um, before. And like you mentioned, when I came in to, to see you guys before, it was Sustrans I was with, and I really enjoyed that. Um, but that was a charity job, and I'm now in a, in a private firm. So with that, and again, some of the kids might might realise this as they, as they develop in their own careers, that the private sector does have a lot more benefits. You know, it's higher salaries, there's there's car benefits, healthcare, et cetera, that a lot of the time you don't get with charity work. See, when you said that your goal is to follow the Scandinavian countries, kind of what stage are we at compared to them? Where we are, just, and, and bear in mind, I mean, so, you know, Holland, Denmark, et cetera, they've got great public transport facilities, they've got great cycling facilities, but that shift happened about 30 years ago for them. So we're essentially now where they were 25 to 30 years ago. And we are getting there. Um, it is taking time. I appreciate it's a different uh, topographical country. You know, there's a lot more hills here than there are perhaps in, say, Holland, for example. So it does make that. And the weather's probably worse as well, I would say, which puts people off um, cycling and walking when, when it's dark nights and cold and wet. But it's, it's changing the attitudes and changing cultures. Is, is the kind of main driver, you know, and that's kind of what, there's a big, it's not just the physical side, you know, so I'm involved, I'm an engineer, I do the physical side of it, but behind that, there is also a lot of um, psychological side, you know, there's a kind of very, uh, very much a big focus on the behavioural side of it, and again, that is going in and educating people, likes of the, some of your students, um, getting them involved in cycling projects and kind of led group rides and that sort of stuff, and Really getting, even for young drivers, you know, just to make them more aware of, of cyclists and young families sharing the roads with, with bike space and potentially prams and trailer bikes and that sort of stuff. Now, now you say about working for school, um, alongside the role working, like doing DYW and careers and, and, and pastoral stuff within school, mm-hmm. Greg also does the PE stuff. And I'm thinking here, Greg, maybe coming in to do some cycling-based stuff with PE classes maybe further down the line. I mean... We've got kind of bikeability stuff that we've done in the past, but we don't, we've, we've not had really anybody come in and do what you're saying, you know, getting teaching the kids, taking them for rides. We've done that in the past, but we're not anywhere near experienced as you. So mm-hmm. if that's an option, then that could be a good way to, to start up a, a wee new yeah. partnership with. My, 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 my idea cogs are, are turning already, what we could maybe do. So uh-huh. we'll maybe be in touch after this. So it's obviously... Absolutely. I mean, I think you've described really clearly and in a lot of detail um, a job that you've done for five weeks, and, and that's fantastic. But what, like, what we want to hear about as well is like, where did your career journey start? So even from like your first ever job, whether it was a paper round or whatever, to your first part time job whilst at school, and then onwards and beyond. So we were just going to listen to that and chip in with some questions along the way. So it was the first kind of job that you had then. The first job I remember having was, uh, funnily enough, it was actually washing cars during the summer, and I must have been, I don't know, primary six or seven or something. Me right, and a right. friend uh, across the way used to obviously go around and chap doors and, and wash cars with a sponge and a bucket of cold water and get a, probably at the time it was about 50 pence, but that seemed like a fortune back then. Good for you. Uh, got into early years of, the, of high school, I had a paper round for, I don't know, about a year or something. Um, in first year and then when I was in fifth and sixth year I ended up working in the local supermarket and that took me all the way through to when when I graduated from university so that was five years I had that job as a um, in the supermarket 
Now, when I graduated from university, I did. What, what did you do? I was going to say, so you said you went from school. In school, what was your kind of main subjects then, if you can remember that? What was the kind of subjects you thought, right, yeah, I, I was quite good at them or I liked those? Um, the main subjects I did, I think I got, I think I was six Bs and a C, I think, for higher. So I did maths, English, physics, geography, history, and information systems, which I don't know if that's still around, but back then it was kind of commuting the softer side of computing, I suppose. Right, okay. Um, where for engineering, there was always a big emphasis on maths. And to be honest, I was never particularly good at maths. And interestingly enough, I ended up having to reset maths in sixth year. I failed it in fifth year. I had to reset in sixth year. Okay. And then when I went to university, there was, the, I would say I was probably one of my stronger subjects, which, and obviously going through as an engineer career, then maths is a fairly prominent yeah. feature. And what, it, was the, um, what was it? Did you go straight to university then? What was, what was your... I went straight to university, yeah. So I stayed on for sixth year, did the uh, fifth and sixth year, and then went straight to university, here at what university, on the outskirts of Edinburgh. And what did you study to, there? What was it? The degree? Civil engineering was, right. I did a, an honours degree, so a four years degree in civil engineering. So in a, in a nutshell, because we all recycle these podcasts and maybe take sound bites, and I'm thinking a couple of months in the line when I'm looking at university stuff for the upcoming six years, I'm thinking, I want to do engineering. And, and Greg and I were like, well, what type of engineering? There's mm-hmm. loads of them. What's civil engineering in a nutshell? One, one or two sentences. The main thing that people always think about with civil engineering is is bridges. That's the big sexy piece, you know, is civil engineers build bridges. Right. Civil engineers to me are problem solvers. You know, civil engineers problem solve and build everything that that people need to survive, whether it's roads, whether it's buildings, whether it's canals, whether it's sewer systems, um, everything that links the communities together, whether it's linking uh, logistics together, you know, ports, marinas, railway stations, train lines, that's all done by civil engineers. So basically building the infrastructure to, to enable people to live and move. Yeah, I, I thought bridges and roads, but when you put it together, like that makes sense. And actually, if, some, if we've got kids looking for engineering, that's, I, I couldn't describe it any better than that. So I, I really appreciate hearing that. So when you, you went to university for uh, three or four years and then you graduated, did you go directly into an engineering-based job? I did. And, and again, interestingly, at the time, I was basically looking through the phone book and seeing what companies um, were available. And at the time, I never really knew the difference between consultancy or contracting. So there's two kind of fields, I suppose, of, of engineering firms. Um, I knew I wanted to be outside and have quite an active role. And that was part of the reason I chose engineering in the first place. But uh, when it came to it, then it turned out I was completely doing the opposite of that and sat on a computer screen doing structural stuff when structural engineering was not a strong point of mine at all. So I did a year with a company um, I was I was with at the time. Why, so can ask, why, why was it like, because one of the focuses we are looking at is skills, but that's like a specific area with an engineer. Why would yeah. you recognise that as being a weak point? Actually, I, I, so structural engineering, we had a module of that at university. Right. And I failed that um, for the exams, failed the reset. So I ended up having to switch modules. So that was not a strong point of mine at all. I just, you know, I couldn't get it, you know, and I got to the stage where I put in a lot of work over the summer to try and study and, and get my head around it. And I ended up, I think, got 2% extra in the reset than what I got in the first place. And, you know, after putting that amount of work in, I just realized that I just, I just 
won't be able to get it no matter how how hard I work at it. So I end up changing slightly, changed a couple of modules at university. And then, like I said, when I went onto the job, funnily enough, it was a structural engineer that had employed me and said, eh, we've got a job in a structural engineering team. How's your structural engineering? And I said, to be honest, it's just not that great. And he said, well, we're looking for people. So if you want to come and join us, then jump in. And I did. And uh, yeah, so I did a year, took a year out. And the company actually at the time held the job open for me to come back into when, when I got back from traveling. And I was there for 14 years, it turned out. And what was not the name of the company? Stru- Sorry. It started off as Carol Bro. Right. And then it got bought over by a company called Grontmai. And then they became Sweco. And they're Sweco at the moment. Right. And you were there for 14 years? 14 years I was there. Yeah. So within, within that role or within that company, did you do the one role for 14 years or did you no. do did you move between roles when you were there? Yeah, no, I had a very varied role. So like I said, I started off in the structural team as a graduate. Uh, and uh, yeah, that wasn't really for me. And then when I got back from traveling, I ended up doing a bit of pavement design, which was kind of quite a lot of number crunching. But on the back of that, you also got a lot of site visits and I got over to Ireland and Dublin for St Paddy's Day for which was one of my first gigs away as a as a young 20 22 year old graduate. So that's, um, that's almost 14 years to the day then. So that's so, absolutely yeah. so 14 years in a company that must have been I mean surely like moving between different jobs that was that was enough for you what do you think Greg? Say again, sorry. I was saying like four, 14 years in the one company, like moving between different jobs, that must have been enough for them. What do you think? I'd imagine so. 14 years is more than enough. So did you have, did you do any kind of jobs outside this normal world of work? I did, actually, as it happens. Um, I have served in the Army Reserves for 12 years. So after I got back travelling, I then came into the job and a year after being in the office, I decided that I wanted a wee bit more out of sitting in an office and I ended up joining at the time it was the Royal Marine Reserves I joined initially and then I transferred over to the Parachute Regiment um, did nine years with the Parachute Regiment and I'm currently in the Royal Engineers so for the majority of my working career you know I've been work graduated what 2005 it's now 20, 2001 so over that last 15-16 years I've yeah. been in the Army Reserves for, for 12 years of that you know I know the full answer but what skills did you take from your normal work that helped in the, the paras and the army side of things? Again, and as an engineer, I don't want to brag on too much about it, but as an engineer, I think you've got quite a good problem-solving mindset, you know, and you, you're equipped to deal with challenges and, and in a certain way, you know, and the military certainly throw, <laughs> throws a lot of challenges at you, physically and mentally. Uh, and having, having, working as part of a team, you know, especially in a multidisciplinary engineering firm, there's a lot of moving parts and you need to work with different people. And it's a, it was a multinational company, you know, a lot of different people from, from different backgrounds. And having that going into the forces really, really helped. You know, and, you know, you get people who are maybe 40, 40-year-old tradesmen compared to young 18-year-olds who are straight out of school um, and everything in between. You know, and you've got postmen, you've got sparkies, you've got mechanics, you've got doctors, you've got lawyers, all working alongside each other to achieve the same common goal. And uh, and having that background and that, I suppose, that life experience as well from, from a civilian job really helped. So did you ever end up on tour? I did, yep. In 2013, I served six months in Afghanistan. Uh, so that was basically a year out of work. 
because the way the contract worked with the MOD, the MOD basically takes you out on a lease, essentially, from your job for a year. So you do six months build-up training in the UK with the unit you're going to be on, on tour with, and then you deploy overseas. And yeah, at the time, it was Afghanistan I went to. Uh, we were in a place called Atal, which was about 20 kilometres outside of Lashkagar, which at the time was a, a fairly fairly dangerous area to be in. See the, the six months prior to leaving, because... For layman's like myself and Greg here, I don't like we recognise it's not just a case of all oh, right, you're going on tour, leave your job, you're going on Monday. You've got this six six months prior to it. Is that a case of they're trying to refine the skills and qualities needed to soldier well? And absolutely again, going back to something that Greg asked about, was it just enhancing those skills that you've already <clears throat> kind of highlighted in your civilian job, as you put it? Yeah, so it almost worked as a I suppose as a cycle, you know, so six months prior to actually even deploying, you're aware that there's something on the horizon, you know, so you're given awareness that there's a tour coming up in a year's time, who wants to come forward for it or your, your name gets put forward for it. You then start training at weekends and in your Tuesday nights and you focus on the, the drills and, and your tasks that you may be having to do when you're away. So that's kind of six months with your reserve unit prior to then mobilising. Once you're mobilising, you go full-time into the unit that you're going to be with full-time. And again, that was very specific on, you know, doing the stuff that you're going to be doing when you're out in Afghanistan. And at the time, there was a big focus on uh, ground clearance and, and being aware of IEDs, which was explosive, sympathised explosive devices, scanning for them and how to mitigate and fight against that. And then you do your six-month training there alongside the, the guys you'll be with. And then once you're out on ground, you do some more acclimatisation training for a couple of weeks, and then you're actually out, out on theatre. So you've went car washing, Tesco's part-time, <laughs> uh, engineering with the one company for 14 years that had that sounded like three different name changes, but on the side you were doing soldiering for 12 of those. Um, that's really admirable. And then what, like I know when you came back that you went, you were looking for something else because when the army was progressing and you were in the office job that was it Grant Midge that you said? And now yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That they that as much as you enjoyed that and you, you you had a really good group of colleagues you worked with, you were looking for something a bit more in line with your passions yourself and you and you sound really active. So tell me more about the, the shift from the engineering desk job to where you were just before you moved to the new job with MWSP. So yeah I Again, and this kind of goes back to my journey, I suppose, through my engineering career with the same company. You know, I went from structures and then went into pavement design, then went into highways, and then what you call local authority, and then into the active travel. So I suppose for the last kind of four to five years prior to moving to my last company, I was doing a lot of active travel stuff. And that was it was still relatively new back then. And it was it was small jobs, small scale stuff, but kind of getting a foothold in, in that market. And, and there was a realization that at that time, it was going to be increasing. Um, you know, there was Transport Scotland, who is the, the government branch of, of the, the transport department. They were putting a lot of money into that and trying to develop that for reasons of health and well-being, um, to try and reduce obesity, try and reduce heart disease, improve the NHS health system and all that sort of stuff. So for the last four to five years, I was doing that. Um, and then I ended up working for Sustrans, is the name of the charity, and they are the governing body for, for cycle routes and the national cycle network across the UK. So they are responsible for 
I think it's something like 1,500 miles of, of cycle network across the UK. Um, and a lot of the funding for these projects all comes through SUSTRANS. And how long were you with SUSTRANS for, sorry? I actually started off on a secondment from my from the previous place. So Sweco seconded me to SUSTRANS for six months. Now, secondment basically means that you're on loan from that company. So your, your parent company, which in my case would have been Sweco, uh -huh. paid me to be... Right. a member of, of SUSTRANS. Right. So I did that for six months. I enjoyed the job. And then I end up, SUSTRANS offered me a job full-time if I wanted okay. to come and work for them full-time. And I did. So I was there for six months of comment and then a year and a half full-time. Right. So two years in total, I was at SUSTRANS. And then you've, you've then, went from then back to the WSP. And that's yeah. your career journey to now. And within that, you've managed an army career as well and touring and we're like everybody else a pandemic and working from home that's super super interesting for sure yes yeah, it's, uh, it's not been without its challenges I'm not, <laughs> not going to lie it's been tiring at times but hey ho so from a from Scott and I's perspective obviously we're looking to develop as many links as we can with different companies so mm -hmm. I know you've done it before with Sustrans has that been something else you want to do with this new new employer you're with us now Absolutely, yeah, and, and I think there's, I'm, as I'm still new to the company, so I'm not overly um, familiar, I suppose, with, with their policies, but I, I do understand that they have uh, modern apprenticeships in place and that sort of stuff. You know, I think there's a couple of younger people in our team who have maybe gone straight from school and they've come in and then they'll maybe do a year as like an office junior and then go through HNCs, HNDs that the company will pay for and get them qualified in engineering. Um, there are other uh, routes available as well. If, if young kids want to come out of school and maybe do a year at college, you could do like an HNC in engineering and then they can maybe take you on and, and give you an apprenticeship as a technician rather than as an engineer um, along that side. And, and there is various roles along that way. And for work experience, yes, I, I understand that's, that's doable. Um, I don't see why it wouldn't be an issue at all. And again, as a STEM ambassador, at Sweco and at Sustrans, you know, I'd be more than happy to to stay in touch anyway because, you know, I think it's a great thing that, and it's only a growing sector, you know, engineering yeah. is it's, it's, it's the future, really, to be honest. Um, and, yeah, it's a great career for, for a lot of young kids and, and a lot of young people looking to get into that. Yeah. I, th I think that's a good one to, to keep up our sleeve, Greg. Um, it's like obviously, work experience at the moment may be tricky with the restrictions and what have you, but I do know that there are companies doing some really innovative things uh, virtually or even mm -hmm. just setting up like mentor meetings and phone calls with between schools and companies just to find out more because it's really, really useful from our perspective. Because, I mean, how many conversations we had recently, Greg, with kids to say, like, what do you want to do? And like, I don't know. And it's not because they don't know what jobs are. It's they don't know what jobs are about. And the more sure. we can expose yeah. young people to the world they work even if it's to rule op options out, it makes our job so much easier. But the the reason but the reason we do that is to make the transition from school a success. And to use the, the language, it's to make it um, a positive and a sustained destination, whether that's on education or employment. And it's absolutely what we're looking to do. So I, I think we'll be banging on your door for cycling stuff, STEM stuff, to see if we can get any absolutely anything in mind. Because we, I, mean, I think it also helps when it comes from somebody who's much more knowledgeable than we are. Because we, we can do the description bit and, and you know, my, my father's an engineer, so I can have some sort of insight, but mm -hmm. I can never explain it like, like you can. Sure. I think that's where the kids really need to know what it is they're getting into. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like when you when you take kids out. Like we, we've both taken sports teams out. When you take them out to different things, you, you get your best. The kids rise to occasion a bit more. And we, we this, our school we're in, the kids are great, really good ambassadors. The school, but when you take them out somewhere, you bring visitors in. They do they do turn it up a notch, and it's really nice to see. And they will they will absorb everything that we that they're given. So it's definitely something for us. I mean that. Like, it's been super interesting to hear the journey and it's like absolutely epitomised what we're looking to try and get across with this podcast that we're starting. I mean, who knows where it goes for like next guests and beyond, but absolutely like the blueprint of tell us about what you're doing. I mean, I wrote down a couple of things that I think really were quite key that you demonstrated fantastic resilience, not in your, your new job and obviously through the army, but like you spoke about failure at school, you spoke about failure at university and sometimes people are scared of failure when, in fact, growth comes from that. And that demonstrates a real strength and resilience. And you spoke about a kind of enterprising, enterprising side when you were young mm-hmm. uh, and then jumping to, between different careers and then really trying to find your, your niche within your degree and your skills and trying to pair it up with your own interests and passions as well. And it, it's, it's really, really great to hear. And it embodies that no wrong path, which is fantastic. So we really, really do appreciate your time. Um, you're obviously super busy with multiple different jobs and commitments. Mm-hmm. So thanks very much for coming. Really enjoyed it. And, yeah, and thank you very much. Pleasure. Excellent. Great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Again. Cheers.